This is the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast, and I'm your host, Maya Acosta. If you're willing to go with me, together we can discover how simple lifestyle choices can help improve our quality of life. Let's get started. All right. So welcome back to another episode of the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Maya Acosta. Friends, for the month of May, we have a special guest who is going to talk to us about strokes. We're going to talk about, you know, how we can prevent having a stroke and also the difficulties associated with rehabilitation. That's such an important topic for me since we know that not everyone has healthcare equity or access to quality care. My guest also has been featured in a documentary called A Teachable Moment, and I'm going to try to find a link for you so that you can watch it. And it's an excellent film. But here's a little bit about the plot in regards to this movie. It says um, each year, nearly 800,000 people suffer from a stroke. A Teachable Moment is a story of four strangers who find common ground after one moment changes their lives forever. And so please help me welcome Lee Stroy. Welcome. Thank you, Maya. I do appreciate you having me today. Thank you so much. I also want to add that you were one of my earlier interviews a few years ago when I was in D.C. Uh, for the PCRM's conference and you came up to, what, what was the name of the hotel? It wasn't the Gaylord, was it? It wasn't a halo, but I know it was. I know you guys did that walk. I can't remember the name offhand, but yeah, I do remember yeah. DC, um, but 2018, I believe. 2018 or so. You were so nicely dressed, and and I was with my husband Riz, and you came up to the yeah. hotel, and we conducted an interview after the conference ended, and you told us about your story even then. I made sure to watch the documentary ahead of time because I really wanted to understand um, all of that. So I'd love to for you to first sort of introduce yourself to my listeners in case they've never heard of you or seen the documentary and tell us your story. And then I want to talk about the cost of rehabilitating because I know that initially you didn't have access to us. So tell us what happened. Right. Again, my name is Lee Stroy. Um, just like everybody else, I thought health was for granted. I suffered three strokes on December 23rd, 2016. I was only 38 years old. And what happened was I woke up that morning and I, when I woke up, I felt something was a little off. I was numb, I was bouncing up and down the wall. I could not articulate my words. I, I recall my wife was downstairs. So it probably took me about five to 10 minutes just to try to get her attention. And she finally looked up because in my mind, I thought I was calling out to her, but I, I was mumbling, looking back at it. Like I, I couldn't, I cannot get my words out. And I, I was bumping on the wall. And when she looked up at me, I bust into tears because I've never seen that fear and that look in her eye. Again, I had no idea what's going on in my body, but lucky for me, she, her sister had a stroke at a young age, so she knew exactly what it was. She called 911 immediately. And before I knew it, I'm in the ambulance and they're saying that, um, you know, you had a stroke. And, and it took me, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm feeling actually better. So I've learned the phrase, it's called waxing and weaning, but I had a stroke, so I was waxing and weaning. So you're going in and out, so you're coherent. And then one minute you're kind of mumbling and fumbling, and then the next minute you're fine. So a lot of people go through these and they call them also TII, TIAs and they think they're OK and they decide not to go. Like for me, the ambulance took me to the hospital. 
So I was in there and they had me in observation for about an hour or so. And I was kind of going in and out. And they were asking me, do I know my name? And they asked me something and I could not respond. I think they may have said, what's the day? Do you know where you were? And it was something off the wall where I saw again a look of, okay, that's enough. And they took me and they rushed me in. They got an MRI and they told me I had a stroke. So what happened was I'm in the hospital. Everything's good. They're telling me about, you know, blood pressure, medication, cholesterol, other patterns to get well. I went to sleep. I was supposed to be released on Christmas Day. I woke up Christmas Day completely numb. I lost the vision on my left hand. I could not see. I could not get out of bed. They quickly diagnosed me with having another stroke. They took me to the rehab facility. And at that point, that's when I began my journey of recovering from a stroke. I can't even imagine what it was like. You said your 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 wife gave you this look you had never seen before. And at that moment, you realized something was happening. You just didn't know what it was. All I said was, I'm sorry. And I started crying because I knew Aww. there was something going on. But it was nothing I can control. And I remember that clear as day. I bust into tears and I just kept apologizing. And she's like, it's okay. It's okay. Lee, that's very interesting when you talk about apologizing. Did you feel, obviously, you didn't really know what was happening, but you knew something serious mm -hmm. was happening. Did you feel like you were causing an inconvenience to your wife? Is that why you were apologizing or what? Something that, you know, I'd never seen. It felt like, you know. I know it sounds crazy, but the, that that look on her face, that fear, that scare, that panic, I just felt like I'm just sorry that, you know, whatever's going on, I'm so sorry because, you know, I didn't know what else to say but sorry, you know? So I watched the film, uh, which I want to mm -hmm. recommend that everyone do, you know, watch the film. And I held it uh, at screening at a local library and I invited a local uh, um, stroke rehabilitation um, specialist to talk to my audience about what to look for and what rehabilitation looks like. So now I know that you've become very involved in helping to educate the community about this. So one of the things that became very apparent is that in many ways, your wife saved your life because she was there. That's correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's and one thing, if you mentioned the documentary, and you look at the numbers. One thing about a stroke, it does not discriminate your age, race, nationality. And the misconception of what people think of a stroke is they think of it as somebody that's elderly. Like my grandmother had a stroke, but she was in her 70s. So, you know, the the misconception of that a stroke can happen to anyone, right? And knowing the signs will save your life. It literally. So it's very important. Yes, knowing the signs. And that's really important. I also want to add, because I'd love for you to talk to us about what we should look for. I want to add that, um, and then you might give me more of an update. As of today, the in the documentary, it follows the stories of four individuals. One of them produced the film, helped to put this film together. But now out of the four, there are only two of you left. That is correct. Um, unfortunately, two of them did pass away, non-stroke related. They had difficulties with, you know, other conditions. But um, yeah, they did pass away since the documentary. Okay, so I wasn't sure if it was a stroke. So it's not just the, you know, a, the stroke itself could be a sign that there are other things happening in the body, and the other two people had complications. There were still yeah. health related complications. 
Correct. They, I think they feel, you know, when you have a stroke, you're never fully recovered, right? It's a mm-hmm. journey. It's a lifestyle. But they're, you know, they're, when they passed away, it was other complications. I think they both had hearts. But, you know, that's yeah. just one of the things you, know, you, can't, you can't prevent. Yeah. So what should we be looking for? Um, because I will tell you, and I might have shared this with you already, Lee, but my mother, who is living, has been living with type 2 diabetes for many, many years, has suffered at least three strokes, and it could look differently mm-hmm. for different people. Uh, she has, in one case, my sister said that she just seemed delusional, almost like not there, didn't know what was happening to her. Um, so it can present itself, I guess, in di- different ways, uh, depending on the individual. But what are those common symptoms? Right. I mean, you, you're spot on. It, it does look different in every individual. But one thing is the um, the incoherent. Some people will, will say, like, I, I feel drunk. You see that they're kind of discombobulated. Um, the common things that they may say something, because sometimes I've, I've heard stories of people that did not have facial droop like I had or had deficits, but they were calling children by, you know, the wrong name and saying the wrong dates and, you know, kind of like it's a certain look. But if you look in their eyes, you you can see that there's something not right. And as, as you know, and before I kind of go on, I just want to touch on this. That one of the things and, and, you know, as far as prevention goes is to we know our body. So when you know something's wrong, you need to go to a doctor. Let's let's stop self-medicating ourselves, especially now the time we can Google every symptom, you know, make sure you go to the doctor. So in my case, I did go to the doctor about two weeks prior to my strokes and they wanted to put me on all different medications. And my thing was that, you know, we're almost Christmas time, new year. I'm going to start that after the new year. Not saying that if I got on that blood pressure medicine, that would have prevented the stroke, but the signs were there months, months, you know, months prior to when I actually had my stroke. And, you know, when I when I had the strokes, I realized that I, I, I am a type 2 diabetic. I did have high blood pressure and also had high cholesterol at the time. Yeah. So thank you for, for saying that, because many times, again, depending on the individual, we're either too prideful to say to admit something's happening or maybe even the fear. Sometimes people freeze. They don't know what to do uh, next. But if you are familiar with how you are on a regular basis, paying attention to those symptoms can greatly impact how much damage can happen within that short amount of time. So reacting immediately if possible. And I don't know what that looks like, but I've heard that if you can get to the hospital within a certain amount of time, there'll be less damage. Is that true? Yeah, that's correct. Um, they, they, you know, the technology has changed since I've had my stroke. There is, they, they have a procedure that if you can get in within a certain window, they can actually almost reverse the stroke symptoms. And that's why time is always the essence, you know, so you can go in there and they can do a procedure. When I had my first stroke, I think it was four to six hours. Now I think they have up to maybe 16, 18 hours. I would not recommend anyone to wait. As soon as you're feeling something's wrong, you go to the hospital immediately. But yeah, um, absolutely. They do have different forms to actually can almost 99% reverse, you know, those things. And as I tell everyone, you get in front of it before by your lifestyle and your choices you make, because it's so much easier to prevent a stroke than to recover from one. Very, very true. Before we go on to 
rehabilitation. Is there anything else that we need to look out for? What else happens to our body as we're having a stroke? So as as you're having a stroke, you you it's in every state, I put it like this, in every state when stroke stroke survivors have a stroke, they suspend your license because your comprehension of things is out of whack. Your your judgment is out of whack. So you have to go back through a test just to get your license. So when you're if you find yourself in the sink, know that your judgment is the number one thing that's affecting you. So you may think you're all right. And that's why when your loved ones see you and you're balancing, you know, you're kind of just they they can tell you that, hey, something's wrong. You know, you, you know, something serious is going on. And there's a difference between a stroke, a TIA, because a TIA can be warning you that something is coming on. Give you, but you, you're going to experience the same symptoms. So some people don't, you know, a lot, a lot of people have TIAs and don't realize that they're on the break of something major happening because their body comes back to normal. But your body should not be going through, um, you know, if you watch athletes and have a concussion, that's kind of similar. You know, they get up all of a sudden and they're kind of, you know, a little wobbly. Something's going on. And I don't know if we talked about this before um, when when we were talking about your situation after that initial uh, the initial TIAs that you had in 2016, have you ever experienced like a recurrence again of a stroke? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I think the time that we actually met, I, I, I was just in the hospital. I, um, I had three strokes. I had about 13 or 14 what they call TIAs where my body is, you know, going through the symptoms. Some people will kind of, it kind of runs parallel with vertigo a little bit or, you know, or cerebral palsy. Like certain things run parallel with it, but it, I was having TIAs where I'm having memory loss. That's another thing. You know, that signs that you can recognize right away that you can't get the words out. And, you know, in, in a lot of times it's going to be a deficit in one side or the other. So for my case, my stroke happened in my right brain. So all my deficits are on my left side. So, you know, so that's another thing because it's going to cater to one. And again, not all strokes are created equal, but you can tell when you're, you know, when something's going on. My case, all three of mine occurred when I was asleep. So when I woke up, that's why they weren't able to provide the treatment for me because they couldn't realize the time frame that the stroke occurred. That makes sense. That makes sense. So in the film, we also see that everyone, uh, all four individuals share their story and then the journey through recovery. And what stood out was your situation of not having access to quality health care. You didn't, you weren't able to, you know, afford rehabilitation. And it was your little girl, one of your little girls who helped you. Tell us more about that, what that was like, how how this impacted your family. Well, my, you may, that's a good point. And I, and I can say this, I was fortunate, right, you know, that we did have, we had amazing health care. We had, we had good health care, but the problem is it's so expensive. We had to make a sacrifice. So, you know, I was in therapy for a year and a half and each session was $50 copay. So, you know, you I was going to I was going to speech, I was going to physical and I was going to occupational. So I was one of the lucky ones, but still coming up with $150 three times a week set us back tremendously. And, you know, we we at the time I was making almost six figures to not make it anything. So living in the metropolitan area is very expensive. And it's, it, you know, we're set up for dual income. And it, it so not only did 
it take our effect to me and put a lot of pressure on my wife, you know, and it put a lot of pressure on my family because, you know, we, we, we were battling it. And, and again, and I had insurance, so we had to find our alternative ways because we could not afford it to continue to go to therapy. Because again, stroke is not a stroke. It's not like a broken leg and you get your cast and you're going to instantly start seeing recovery. This is a whole, you got to read. I had, I was from a walker to a cane, my daughter. So you had to find little things. And again, I was a man, I'm a man with pride. So I went from not able to be able to drive, not even provide my family to now have to figure out my new norm. So I suffered from a lot. I suffered from a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. I isolated myself. I, you know, I I was in a, in a, in a, in a a place of why me, um, you know, plus, now I'm taking eight, nine different medication, never took anything before. So, you know, the documentary will show this, but the 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 real life, it never stops. It never stopped to even to this moment, right? So the thing is that you, you know, even if you have good insurance and good pause, it's such a long process. You have to learn to be kind to yourself. And that's when I started to recover. You know, I stopped acting myself why and started to, you know, appreciate the smaller things that I can walk 50 yards, you know, with a cane to walk my daughter to the bus stop. So I had to, you know, reinvent little things, change the goals. And it took me a long time to come to a place where I was able to speak about my strokes. And when I started to speak about it, it became real therapeutic. And, you know, here we are now, maybe six years later. And you know, this past year, I coached high school basketball. I'm JV coach and assistant varsity coach. You know, I'm coaching AAU basketball, but I'm reinventing myself every day. And as we spoke before, um, one of the things I did was I changed my diet. You know, I became the vegan. I think I've been a vegan now for about five years. You know, just always you have to now that I know I monitor my blood pressure, I monitor my sugar level. I make sure I go to my annual doctor. I literally just had a doctor for me yesterday for my physical. You always got to check in. But you know, you always got to keep pushing through. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm so proud of you. And I'm so happy for you that you've been able to reinvent yourself, find a new sense of purpose. And I mean, you look like you're 100%. Are you? Like no. in terms of your real? No? You see me, I still walk with a limp. I still don't have vision out of my left eye. I still have memory loss, but that's okay. You know, I, I, I just yeah. take it out. A new norm. I just move a little slower and I'm able to man- manage. But um, it's funny. I was, I still have to I stretch more. I still do a lot of principles that I do in physical therapy. And that's the one thing about anything, life in general, is just being consistent and being flexible. And, you know, the stroke taught me so many things. I met amazing people like yourself. You know, um, there's so many amazing stroke survivors. But one thing runs parallel because Again, we don't never see it coming because if that was the case, we would do a lot of things. So what you do and your platform is amazing, not to only educate people about health, but let's get on the other side of it as well. Let's try to prevent that. Let's try to change lifestyles. You know, I used to smoke cigars. I haven't smoked a cigar since my stroke, too. You know, some certain factors and I'm not saying go all vegan. It's, it's moderations and everything. You know, everything in life is moderate. Got to honor your numbers and everything else, too. That is true. And it, it's also, you know, I kind of feel like it, unless we're raised to self-care 
uh, we just kind of live life. And especially when we're stressed, we do things to alleviate some of that stress. And it, it could include drinking or eating certain foods. So, uh, you know, a lot of us are having to learn how to take care of ourselves as adults and because no one else will take care of us if we don't take care of ourselves. And so, um, yeah, I think we're speaking to a large uh, population of people who could hear this message. Just like you said, strokes don't discriminate. You can see it clearly in this film uh, that you guys, all four of you came from different walks of life, different level of education, different economic levels, all of it. It doesn't matter. People still are susceptible to having a stroke. And I admire the fact that you're working on the prevention end of it and helping to educate people. How else have you become um, involved in educating, uh, people. Cause I was following you on social media and I saw you working on some other things. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I kind of got off and I'm going to get back on social media, but I'm a, still an ambassador for the American Heart and Stroke Association. So we do a lot of events in the community. Again, being a coach this year gave me an opportunity to even speak to our kids about, you know, strokes, cholesterol and form. So it's so much, it never stops because the thing is now that I had the shows, I can even see people in the store, you know, and just be like, Hey, how are you doing? And, you know, it's just a little look at it. And, you know, you, you obviously want to respect people's privacy, but, you know, just tell them like, Hey, you look good. Like, you know, and, you know, and you'd be surprised what, you know, what they say and families are like, Hey, I appreciate that. You know, they had a stroke, you know, da I'm like, yeah, you know, I could tell. And I tell them my story because again, it, you know, it, just to everyone that survived a stroke has a choice. I have a, I have an uncle that has actually been bedridden from a stroke for about six years now. And every day he chooses to smile. Mm. He chooses to smile. Get up, <laughs> he chooses. So that, you know, that keeps me, that encourages me also because you never know where to. But I do want to touch on something that you said, Maya, that's very important. And I think if I had to sum it all up, yeah, I had high blood pressure, a little bit, diabetes, a little bit. I was slightly overweight, just a little bit. But the one thing is the stress. And the one thing that you have to manage is stress. Because if I had to say what caused the stroke, stress. At that point, I was working 12, 14 hours a day. I just had custody of my oldest daughter. I was on, you know, just never sleep and never taking that time to self-care. And a lot of people that have strokes, yeah, they have a lot of things going on. But if you look at that under underlying issue, that stress is a huge factor. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. It's a, we just think that we can be so resilient and, you know, burn the candle at both ends and we'll be fine as long as we wake up the next day. And it's like that takes its toll on the body. Absolutely. Right. And, you know, and, and you know, you think you're doing all this stuff and your body will let you know that, hey. It's time to it's time to slow down. Yeah, yeah. So you talked about food earlier, and I come from a very traditional family <laughs> where we well, I say we not not I anymore. I don't even live near my family anymore. But I had an aunt who was the main cook, the older sibling of my dad, and the the main cook of the family. And so I once many years ago told told her that I wanted to preserve her recipes because they were traditional and that I wanted to help her write a cookbook. And she used to fry everything. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Her, they used a lot of pork in the food and all of that. And so this was years ago. And then about maybe 10 years ago, it's probably been longer. She had a stroke. Oh. 
And she had one of those strokes, Lee, where she became paralyzed, period, like not even able to speak. And she's been wheelchair bound for about 10 years. And, you know, um, if it weren't for the fact that she has such strong faith in God, I don't know what else could keep her going because she is now um, everything for, from having to be bathed to having to be fed. Uh, she's at the mercy of everyone else. And uh, I was recently there a few years ago for a wedding and I saw her again and I just thought, oh my God, God just has given her this ability to continue living despite her limitations. And she's so grateful. You can tell she's grateful for the life that she continues to have in the people that love her and support her. But no one wants to be in that situation. No, no. No, no, you're absolutely right, and I'm and I'm from the south, and so that traditional eating, the 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 fried foods, the greens, and all the things that you're saying, the things. So when I go there and say I'm a vegan, they look at me, look at me like I'm an alien. <laughs> but <laughs> but but I do I do, and that's and that's one thing that we need to do as a community also too is to you know be mindful. And I do work with a couple of doctors about desert zones that you know you can go get a honey bun before you can get an apple. And that is something that we have to inform our children, you know, and it's a real, and it's, it's nationwide, you know, it's, you know, it's, so it's one of the things that, you know, some of the traditions that we had growing up, we realize now that that's, is not good for us, right? All the, all right. the grain, all, all the, you know, everything you want, fry this, fry that. But um, again, it's in moderation too, right? You know, you can't have that in the sweet tea. And apple pie and ice cream, you know, right? You it just it just doesn't stop. And then if you do that, you got to make sure you go walk. You know, you right. just don't sleep on that. And then that's how you know habits are formed. So yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, as far as your aunt, I remember you telling me about that. It's similar to my my uncle that that you know you never know the people's strength and how strong you are. Like I'm just, and that's what kept me going. You know, you know my faith and everything else, but I was broken down to where you have to really see yourself. So now that I'm, I feel like I'm at a better version of myself. I'll be, you know, tra full transparency. I'll be 47 in July. And I feel stronger and wiser than ever because I went through this adversity and it gave me a different perspective. So when situations in life come, it takes a lot from it because it's like, hey, you know what? We're going to get it done. <laughs> you know, I, I I've, I, you know, I've I've seen, I've talked to people, I've had so like let's 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 bring it down some, and it's our perspective. And the hardest thing to do, and you know, this pandemic, and after we went through this, and it, you know, it made people slow down. You see that everybody appreciates one another again, and now we're back open, and then now we're back off to it again. You know, and it just kind of tells you you need to value the time and value your loved ones because you never know what will happen. And like I said, I was 38, and my life changed completely. I met I met people that and. And mind you, I was a D1 athlete. I played college basketball. You know, I did work out. I did some things. So, you know, I didn't look like a stroke had happened to me. Right, right. And um, I want to go back to what you were saying. I was just, you know, talking about stress and all of that is all of those components that when we talk about lifestyle medicine, we want to talk about prevention the goal is to help prevent because once you're dealing with a situation, it could be multiple things that the body is not going to face. And so managing your stress, eating plant-based foods, um, walking, 
even just simple walks can alleviate the stress, can get the happy hormone going in your body, but just can really help with a lot of things like weight loss and all of that. And then the other thing is really the emotional support and the love. And it, and it looks like you have that with your family. They have been there, your, your girls, your wife, they've really been there to support you this entire time. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, meditation too is another way that you, you know, you can take time for yourself. And again, when you have a stroke, it just doesn't happen to the individual. It happens, impacts the entire family. Right. So when I had that stroke, my, I believe my daughters were four, three, and maybe five, four, and three. And my son was 12. My oldest was 18. That impacted them not only in the moment, but also it taught them awareness, right? They know what signs are. But initially, when I first came home, you know, it was a fear because they didn't know. And I was going in and out the hospital. They didn't know what was going on. So, you know, and that was another reason why I determined to put more emphasis on my recovery, not where I was now, just where I want to be and want to get better. So they know that, oh, hey, daddy's all right. So now they, they, you know, they know I had strokes. I do a lot of stuff in stroke, but they don't fear that, hey, I'm about to have a stroke. And I feel like that's one of my biggest accomplishments now that they know that I'm okay. Now, again, we all know how life is, but they know that, hey, that daddy's back. You know, I'm laughing, joking, doing different things. And it's really a real thing. Um, I was talking to my friends, like, you know, the best thing you can do for your family is, is go to the doctors. Go, you know, listen to the signs, you know, and being a man is not macho to punch through it, to go through it. Doesn't mean you're less of a man, even female. Doesn't mean that. You have, listen, if, one thing that I learned is you have time. You have time for yourself and you got to take the time. If you can get on the phone and log on to Facebook, Instagram, whatever it may be, turn on the news, you have time to check your blood pressure, check your, call your doctor, make your appointments. You have time. Yeah. I, and I, I feel like that became very apparent in terms of like, when you don't take care of yourself, when the pandemic happened, the people that were the hardest hit where the people with the least amount of resources and probably the people that probably don't go often to the doctor, it's, it's kind of cultural too. Again, I go back to, unless you're taught how to self-care, you don't really know how to self-care. Someone's got to teach you, but if you live in a family that's on top of their health and everyone's getting their checkups, you're more likely to be that way. And so that's why I value information because we need to get the information out to the people that need to hear it. And also, I guess, you know, what impacted me was that one of your colleagues from the film got very involved in fundraising and, and getting information out to people that need it. So if they can't afford rehabilitation, his nonprofit, and I don't know where he's at in with all of that today. Right, right, right. He's still, you know, we're still keeping up that legacy now. And that's the thing, you know, and that's the thing that I want to do better in because, a lot of the information is there that sometimes there are public assistant programs that are out there free, but you won't know about. Like, you yes. know, as far as we have a service called like Metro Access that will pick you up from your house to take you to your doctor's appointment. Things are in place for the people that don't have insurance. And you're absolutely right. As far as the pandemic hit, you look at the underlying condition and it was high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes. And these were the, you know, the ones that were really sub more prone to, you know, to the, to the virus. So you're spot on with all of it. And, and, you know, and I like the self-care and, and I love the fact that you say that so much, Maya and self-care is always evolving and self-care does not have a age limit on it. 
we always constantly self-care until we leave this earth. And that's how we continue to grow. And I think a lot of people think, and a lot of, you know, parents, m mothers, fathers, well, as long as I'm taking care of my kids, as long as I'm taking care of the business, as long as I'm taking care of this, I'm okay. And self-care, self-care, self-care is everything. I know that I, I ask my husband often, we have all sorts of conversations about health and the red tape too, like all of it, um, you know, Western medicine and all of that. And, and I always ask because I've lived that life. I was raised with very limited resources. I always ask what happens when people don't have insurance? For example, I have a, a niece who was recently diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. And I asked her a couple of things about getting checked checked up, you know, getting her regular checks, uh, checkups. <laughs> and she said, I don't have insurance right now. And I, and the first thing that came to me was like the population of people dealing with chronic diseases that can't afford medicine. So I, I, and maybe there are resources. So that, so then I said to him, so what happens with people that have type two diabetes that don't have insurance? You know, so, um, but so my whole point being that there probably are resources. We just need to let the population, let people know about the resources and talk about, uh, what you can do in terms of lifestyle, um, so that you can help yourself as well. I totally agree. Um, my brother-in-law had a stroke also, and he actually went the holistic path. Right. And he is he's he's a big holistic guy. And that's where his recovery is. And he's committed. And also, you know, holistic, if you go that it does cost, it does get very pricey, it's very expensive. But if it's also a commitment that, you know, he believes in, too, I actually went that way also as well, because the first thing they want you to do is take a medication. And as I kind of went back and look at my stroke. So when they gave me a blood pressure, it it dropped my blood pressure too fast unnaturally and which caused the second and third stroke. Now they can never point to that. But if, when I looked at the chart and talked to numerous neurologists, your body, your, my, my, your body is conditioned to live at a certain rate. So yeah, it was a little high, but you know, you start putting different medication and part of my recovery was trying to kind of tween back off of some of that because full trip, they were giving me medication for depression. They were giving me medication for anxiety. I couldn't sleep, so they're giving medication for sleep. And then I was taking cholesterol, blood, and they don't know. So they're throwing these things at me. And my body is trying to fight these things, even if I didn't have a stroke, let alone having three strokes. I cannot recover because my body's being torn and I can't feel and I can't get energy. So I don't know really what's going on. So, you know, I am a big firm believer, a holistic and self-care but you have to put the investment and you have to be committed too, right? So, you know, that, that's something that, you know, you have type two diabetes. We have to, sometimes you have to figure out how to get it under control. And then once you get it under control, then you can now kind of go different routes, right? Yeah, exactly. And now, you know, earlier I had an interview with the CEO of a telemedicine practice where all the doctors are trained in plant-based nutrition and lifestyle medicine. So uh, the patient would have a conversation like this remotely with the doctor and then tell them, you know, where they're at with their health, what their goals are. And then the doctor can create an individualized plan to help them, 
you know, get to the where they want to be in their health. Um, but it is out of pocket. It's not necessarily covered with by insurance. Um, he was telling me about. Yeah. Although he did say that they they have something called like the super bill or something that after the the uh, seeing the doctor, you can uh, take this to the insurance companies for reimbursement. But um, at the same time, it's it's tricky because like you were talking about your medication and how you believe maybe that brought on the um, the the strokes again. It, part of it, what these doctors are trained in is in knowing how to de-prescribe your medication so that as you improve your quality, your their lifestyle, you're making better choices, your medicines will need to be adjusted so that you don't have suffer with, for example, hypoglycemia or low blood pressure or anything like that. And mm-hmm. your regular primary care physician may not be as available to do that for you, or maybe doesn't even know how to take you off medications. Absolutely. Or or it's another daughter that has, you know, that that's there. Um, You made a good point. I do the fact that it's individualized. And when you take, you know, different medications, they're not, you know, for everybody that anybody. So anyone minorities, any time taking anything, anything with a prill, you're going to have an allergic reaction. So the first medication to get me blood pressure was I don't want to put out a name, but it ended in a prill and my face swelled up and I was having alert. And I'm like, why do you and every every young man and I talk to, they're like, yeah, first thing they give, they give us this. And it's just because they don't know they're not doing it out of mouth. doing it out of textbook. Hey, blood pressure. But majority of African-American men and women are allergic to anything with this, you know, ending in prill. So it's knowledge, right? So it's not textbook. So when you have doctors like there that take the time to find out what, you know, what works is very important. You know, it's very, very important because, you know, they put me on medication that took me a while to get off of because then you come dependent on these medications to go to sleep. You know, you become dependent on these medicines. It's okay to feel a little anxious, right? You you know, that's what we are. It's all right. You don't need to have, take this, you know, because we don't want you to have stress. Well, you know, this is a a slippery slope. And it's Mm -hmm. for a stroke survivors trying to relearn their normal and find out what their normal is. That's a whole different topic for another day because, like I said, you're being pulled, turned, and you don't know where you are and, you know, where you are in your recovery. And I started to realize about two or three years after my stroke, when I started to be like, okay, you know what? Let me see what happens when I don't take this. Mm. Oh, I'm still here. <laughs> my numbers are still the same. So why are you telling me to say this? <laughs> you know, so, but, but it's all a process. It's all a process. It is. And I can imagine that, that anxiety that may continue to linger about a possibility of having another stroke or a heart attack. It's just once you get in that mindset that, hey, I'm not as healthy as I thought I was, then, oh, my God, what's next? Like you start right. to kind of tell yourself some stories that can be frightening. Um, but it, it it looks and it seems like you're in a good place in your life today. And that's just so encouraging. Thank you. I appreciate it. Again, I appreciate everything that you do. I appreciate it. Um, again, with May being Stroke Awareness Month, it's so important. I, I can't recommend, like, even in your lo- local grocery stores. Now, they may be all five or 10, right? Check your blood pressure if they still have the monitors there while you're in line. Check that just, you know, so you don't always have to go to the doctor. Take advantage of the things that are there. And again, you know, I was I was waking up 
prior to my stroke and, and, and sweats, you know, so and cold sweats. So my body was telling me, and this was go, going on for years, that my body is telling me something that that's not normal. So don't get used to uncomfortable things with your body. Go see a doctor. It's a reason yes. why you are at night. There was a reason why. Absolutely. And thank you for reminding us that there are blood pressure machines at different locations. And oh my gosh, I'm so glad you brought it up. I remember I used to playfully do that every once in a while at my local pharmacy. Just got to be like, let's see what's today. (laughs) Um, But they're men, they're there to save lives in many ways. They are. They are. They absolutely are. They, you know, absolutely. I used to do the same thing. It'd be like, it's, it's just getting so tight, you know, but, <laughs> but is there, is there yeah. the reason why? And if you see something. I've heard my husband talk about um, when he gives uh, other individuals, it talks about resources that um, there are some smaller blood pressure machines that you can have in your home just to check yourself throughout the day or throughout the week um, Mm -hmm. that are not, you don't have to rely on going to your doctor and they're not that expensive. And I'm starting to think that maybe I'm going to make a list somewhere of these things for people to, who can afford to spend a little bit of money on their own machines to kind of know where to get these things so that they can feel more comfortable. Like, so you mentioned type two diabetes, having type two diabetes. Um, The other day we were having a conversation on the podcast about the continuous glucose monitoring monitoring system. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's like a patch that you can put on your shoulder or anywhere in your body. And it's, are you familiar with it? I've seen it, but I, yeah, I got an idea where you don't have to, you know, it's modern to you all day. You you don't have to prick your fingers. There's a guy that was a guitar player and he's like, Hey, no more pricking my fingers. Yeah. And you know, and you can see on the app, how you're reacting to foods and even uh, exercise, because exercise actually does regulate your blood pressure. I mean, your blood sugar. So that can also impact your blood sugar. And I, so I, I need to make a list and put it somewhere on our website where people can look into these products if they're interested, because that way they're more likely to be more responsible for how they eat if they just don't have to prick themselves all the time, because absolutely. that's just painful. That so. Absolutely. And you talk about another free thing and kind of like a, a, a myth and a traditional thing. We say, you know, you you eat a big meal and, oh, I got the itis. Some of that is, now oh, you might have diabetes because my mother has diabetes. And your sugar level is just so, you know, was so low. And now you eat a, such a huge meal and you're just out of it for an hour and a half. You know, those are things that are not, you know, we juggle, oh, hey, so good, you got diabetes, you can't move. But that's also, no, your sugar level was this low. Now you're just intaking all this food and all of a sudden you're just now in a sugar coma. Like, Yeah, all of those things affect us. I'm so glad you brought it up because I've always wondered, like, if people can feel when their blood sugar is high. Like I oh. tend to be hypoglycemic and when I don't eat, so I can feel when I'm going, my blood sugar is dropping. I can feel that. But can, when it goes up, can some people feel symptoms of that? Well, I, I'm the same way. I like, you know, the, that hangry thing is a real thing in this house. And my wife would be like, Yo, your sugar level is low. And I can start and I can feel and I can feel that I'm a lot tired. And so I had to make sure, especially when, you know, during the season and, and then I sub also now at the local schools that make sure that I eat regardless of how I feel. I got to make sure I do eat because I can tell 
you know, I could tell my sugar level dropping. I could tell when it goes back up because it's almost like, you know, Super Mario. I didn't level back up and I'm ready to go. Like I had my snack and I'm I'm back at right. it. So it is a real thing that, hey, you know, people with diabetes and, you know, a lot of it is too not realizing because unfortunately that is, that's passed down. That's generation, diabetes generation. But I truly feel that it's generational, but it's also habits that we're taught. So we eat that Super mm-hmm. Soul Sunday, Super Soul Monday, so that food. So we might not be necessarily as prone as we think we are. So with right. my daughter, I have one now out of, out of my four kids. My youngest, she's actually a vegan now. So she's been a vegan for about two years. And yeah, and, and just to see her and her energy, and I'd say all my girls have great energy, but it's like, okay. Yeah. So, but we have to also make sure that we take her to the doctor to make sure she's, you know, all or everything, her numbers are correct too, to make, because, you know, you got to make sure you get the right supplements in, especially, you know, she's only, she's, so to make sure she's getting the right supplements in, but I'm proud of her. And I'm not saying that's the the right way. My wife is a, what do they call a Presbyterian that just eats seafood, you know? So we're, you know, we're all, my wife will tell you, she's cooking two different meals almost every day. (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) it's all all a process and everything is in moderation. You know, everything, I'm not, not going to push the vegan on everybody, but I just say that if you try it and you give it a week or two and you'll see how your body responds, I think you'll be like, Hey, you know, I'm going to stick with for a month and next thing you know you're at three months and six months and you just you just feel a little bit better yeah you know um and they have you to thank because you have been this wonderful influence in their lives by you know eating more plants and taking care of your health now you're being an example to your own children so that they don't have to suffer when they get older because it's just like what you said it it can be uh generational in the sense that we we eat what we grew up with. You know, we influence each other, family gatherings and and things that are just found in our diets as a family, as a culture. Um, that's how we f- influence each other. But now you're sort of changing the path for your own children. So that's wonderful. Right. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, and the, yeah. it's the work that you guys do, you know, being plant-based. It's a real thing. And it was it was almost a joke. I remember my, my father, I was just saying, so I passed away of a heart attack and be like, the same things that made him pass away are the same thing we're eating at the repast. We're eating all the fried chicken, all the greens, all the things. <laughs> like, like, and he just passed away, you know, of a heart attack and we just filled our body up with the same thing. So it is kind of a, a, trad- a thing mm. that we're learning. It's a, it's a pattern, but, you know, yeah, we got to be better. We got we to be better. Yeah. I appreciate you so much coming back on the show and giving us an update as to how you're doing. And again, it's just very hopeful and encouraging to know that you're you're doing well and that you're an ambassador to, you know, advocate for this way of living to help others so that they don't have to suffer or ever have a stroke. So um, do you have any like a final message for our listeners? No, again, I want to thank you for what you do and what you continue to do. I really appreciate you allowing me to be on this platform. Again, with Stroke Awareness Month, next month, and my life is always Stroke Mm -hmm. Awareness. So I just tell people just to listen to your body and to be kind to yourself. That's it. Thank you so much. And again, the film is called A Teachable Moment, and I like to promote it because you're in it. (laughs) So your, your story really touched me. Yeah. Thank you so and much. again, thank you so much.
<laughs> different things in a couple months. So I'll definitely get in contact with you um, with the American Heart and Stroke Association. So I'll definitely try to loop you guys in there. Um, thank you again so much for everything. Thank you, Lee. I appreciate it. Okay. You've been listening to the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions podcast with your host, Maya Acosta. If you've enjoyed this podcast, do us a favor and share with one friend who can benefit from this episode. Feel free to leave an honest review as well at ratethispodcast.com forward slash HLS. This helps us to spread our message. And as always, thank you for being a listener. 